Galatians 5:22 through 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So, lesson 5 is going to be gentleness. So everybody likes gentleness, you know, to be treated gently in certain situations. So some of the study of this is realizing that gentleness is something that we need to work on in pretty much all our cases when we're dealing with others, especially for the lost, with the lost, and and, and, and amongst ourselves too, and amongst family. Oh, and oh, wait a minute. I guess our kids, uh, you know, grandkids, all of them. So it's something we, of, of, is a fruit of the spirit needs to be across the board with everybody. So, in dealing with that, and first we'll see the definition that Webster's uh, 1828 says, defines gentleness uh, as meek, mild, soft, bland. This is his words on this thing, you know. Uh, maybe bland wasn't that bad a word. You know, bland is, you know, you don't want to walk, you don't want to have a bland car, you don't want to have a bland house, you don't want to have dress bland, you know, or something like that. <laughs> you know, you, everybody likes color, everybody likes a little bit of fashion, you know. I'm wearing my new tie, and I think the guy that sold it to me just really gave it to me because he wanted to get rid of it. I says, well, hey, I'll try it. Kind of goes with the jacket, but but the whole thing is bland. Kind of hits you a little bit, but it's not rough either, or harsh, or severe. So it's tame, peaceable, not wild, turbulent, or refractory. Treating with mildness, not violent. So that's a gentleness. And you know, you're gentle with babies. You're gentle with young kids you know, and stuff like this. But how is it, and it's hard, and it's hard, how are you going to treat people in traffic situations with gentleness, you know? Especially when people are driving more violent, you know. I'm first, I'm first, I'm first. You know, and it's it's difficult more than anything. So let them go, let them get by you, you know. Let them go. Other definitions of the word gentle include the form of benevolence or a kind and generous act. As we study the Word of God and consider the fruit of the gentleness of in a Christian's life, we will see that it is not a sign of weakness, but a real strength in a Christian's life to back away. I mean... I've been out, I was on a call last night, and I'm, I'm dealing with people who are supposed to be Christians, even the guy's pastor was there, but yet some of these people, they didn't sound like Christians. Now, if you asked them about it, yeah, yeah, I got saved and everything, but the language of the world was there, strong. So I just got to go, okay, you know, I can't rough them, you know, get a rough exterior, stuff like that. That's not the reason why I'm there. I'm there to bring comfort and care and help 
in this time of need of a sudden loss, a very sudden loss of a loved one who didn't have any, there wasn't anybody's expectations that there was anything wrong with this poor dear lady. She just gone. So gentleness is needful in, in, in a situation like that and dealing with people. So the world has presented a cold, cruel, macho-type image of masculinity that does not allow, especially for men, to treat others with any consideration, kindness, or, or gentleness. Hollywood has even gone so far as to present a feminine ideal that is very similar to the aforementioned masculine idea there is nothing effeminate or inconsistent with the idea that uh, militant, truly masculine men and truly feminine women, soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ, can be gentle in their dealings with others as led by the Holy Spirit of God. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit. <clears throat> so, dealing with people. Some of you might be in some kind of an authority position or whether on the job or even in your in your home. There's gentleness has to play too. You know, there's correction, but you can do that with gentleness too. <clears throat> so we'll start with, at the first heading is God's uh, gentleness in dealing with his people. Turn to Lamentations 3.22. In order that is on the on the right side of Jeremiah three twenty two. It is of the Lord's mercies that we that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Although the Lord may chasten his people and deal with them, when we consider his mighty power, we must come to the conclusion that the Lord handles his people with gentleness. If he did not, then we would be utterly consumed. And under that also, it turned to Second Samuel twenty-two thirty-six. In David's song, he declares it is God's gentleness that made him great. If God was not gentle in his dealings with us as Christians, we would never be afforded the opportunity to grow spiritually. In 2 Samuel twenty-two thirty-six, Thou hast also given me the shield of salvation, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thy gentleness. In 2 Corinthians 10.1, this verse shows that the Lord Jesus Christ himself is gentle by nature. That is 2 Corinthians 10.1. Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence, who in presence am base among you, but being absent, I am bold Toward you. 
So face to face, he would be gentle. But yet, because he was reaching out by letter, you know, just in this case in Corinthians, by letter, he was bold, bold to him, and would actually correct them. But yet, when he'd been with them, he comforts them. In Matthew chapter 12, verses, uh, well, we'll start at verse 17. Matthew 12. Now, if you're already understanding this, we're bouncing around pretty good. So, but it's good. Now, I'm, I'm kind of cheating a little. I have it kind of written down here, just bigger writing. So I don't have to work so hard to, to see it. So, it, it does help. But that's just me. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 17, and go to 21. That it might be fulfilled as spoken by uh, Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. That's in Matthew. In dealing Who's, who's Matthew dealing with context-wise? Jews, right? So in Gen, uh, Gentiles, kindness in judgment to him, but yet he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall not he break, he not break. The smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment Unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Right there, stating that we're in his mind, even starting in Matthew as a Gentile, as a non Jew. So that was the gentleness is dealing with his people. Now we're looking at the gentleness as the fruit of the Spirit in the life of of a Christian. Turn to First Thessalonians 2, 7, and 8. The idea here is the Old Testament concept of a nursing mother. This is an interesting thing because in, in this time, well, well, we'll take the time to do this right now so we can get there. Uh, turn to uh, keep a finger in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, and go to Exodus chapter 2. It should be pretty easy to find because we've got a long passage to read there. And then I'll read, I'll just go ahead and read First Thessalonians when you're able to catch up here. But we are gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth, cherisheth her child. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because we, because ye were dear unto us. Ye were dear unto us. So that's Paul talking there. Now, the concept behind this and the understanding behind this is Exodus chapter 2. And it's a little bit of a lengthy read here. But uh, starting with verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, 
And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a, he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him for, uh, for him, uh, an ark of bulrushes. So he took that ark of bulrushes and made it and daubed it with slime and pitch and put the child in it. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would hap, uh, what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down and washed herself in the river. And her maidens walked along the river by the river side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion for him, on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. How did she know that? You know, there had to have been some kind of change or some kind of look that she understood. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, women? that she may nurse the child for thee? And the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Here's, here's a daughter of Pharaoh. Showing gentleness. Who's an, a non-believer? Didn't believe in God. Believed in gods, probably. But saw kindness and compassion and gentleness to this child. So we see gentleness work through the Word of God different places. And we'll, we'll keep looking at some of this and we'll see it. So our text makes it clear to us that the gospel ministry must be marked with, uh, by gentleness, especially when dealing with babes in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 20, uh, 2, 2, I'll just read it. 1 Peter 2, 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. A new Christian. Somebody just got saved. Get into the Word of God and get the milk from it. Because this book is deep. has many layers. And you can get and grow through it as you age too. And as we get older, it still brings comfort to us. Turn to Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. We'll be at verse 22. The servant of the Lord is told not to strive, but to be gentle unto all men. This is a good verse for the soul winner to keep in mind when he is frustrated because of the lack of results. Because, you know, we 
way back, and you don't see it as much that much anymore. But if you have an opportunity to go witness to some to somebody in in, in a group situation, uh, you don't you don't hit a hundred percent. There's you know just handing out tracks, you get doors slammed in your face. You're inviting them to a church function where they can have something to eat for nothing. You get a door slammed in your face. So you get discouraged, but you you can't get discouraged because God knows who's going to be saved and who isn't. But he wants everybody to hear the gospel for that chance to, to, to be turned from this wicked world uh, in its mind and, and towards him. So we have to be constant in our, in, well, consistent, constant in our need to reach out to people and to be a witness. Second Timothy chapter two, verses 22 through 26, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. If you've ever been in a situation where you're trying to talk to somebody about salvation and they're always trying to change the subject, what they're trying to do is they're trying to show you that they're smarter than you because they they know events and all this stuff like this. But our smarts are in the Word of God. If we, if we get smarter at the use of the Word of God, we are getting smarter. So, don't strive. Be gentle all men, apt to teach, patient. So that it says, uh, the servant of the Lord must, uh, must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You know, they got to acknowledge it first. Acknowledging of the truth in the last verses, in that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So, the devil's got a hold of them. What you got to do is break that chain of concentration towards the devil and the things of this world and towards heavenly things and realize that salvation is obtainable just for the asking. Just for the asking. Turn to Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Titus 3, 1. Should be close by. Titus 3.1 says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, we'll continue to for, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, Deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. 
But after the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward men appeared. So, I worked 30 years at General Motors. Did I mess up? Yeah, I messed up. But I had opportunities to go back to those people that I, somehow I did something. And I was able to say, hey, listen, I was wrong. And they tried to bait you into conversations and bait you into their dirty jokes. It got to the point, you know, for the last maybe 10 years I was there, that when I was in company with them and we were working together or combined, just talking about things, somebody says, oh, I got a, I got a bad joke. Now, my nickname was Griff then. Everything I did was Griff there. So it was just easier to remember and everything. So he'd say, Griff, you need to take a walk. You don't want to hear this. Okay. And I'd go. And I'd wait. And then I'd hear all the laughter, laughter and stuff. And I'd come back. And, and we'd just carry on another conversation. And that was ways I know that I influenced them somehow that it was real to me, that salvation was real. So, after the kindness of love and salvation toward men appeared. So, in that appearance there, I was trying to be a testimony and not lose a testimony. Look at Jeremiah 31, 3. If you're on Lamentations, just one book ahead of that. So, Jeremiah 31.3. As far as Titus, the gentleness of God is instrumental in our coming to Jesus Christ as Savior. In Jeremiah 31.3, with God as our example, we are able to be gentle in dealing with others. Jeremiah 31.3. The Lord had appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn thee. <clears throat> loving kindness. James chapter 3, verse 17. We're doing a lot of Bible calisthenics and had for the first four that we studied, so it's a good thing you're learning your Bible if you... If you're having trouble looking for things, you know. I un I understand why when you're up here, you grab a hold of this. You're just, I'm hanging on to this thing like, okay. Okay. Maybe it's good so I won't fall over. So, <laughs> James chapter 3, verse 17. Since Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God towards sinners, then it stands to reason that the message of salvation is aptly described in our text. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good works, without par partiality and without hypocrisy. And another verse here, and I'll just go ahead and read it, is 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, 
righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So the lost may sometimes accuse them, uh, excuse themselves from accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior by accusing God's people of being unapproachable or hypocritical, but they can never accuse the Lord Jesus Christ for such sins. That's why in all your dealings, you point to Christ. You tell them, hey, don't point to me. I'm a sinner just like you. And they go, you know, I'm not a sinner. Well, yeah, I'm a sinner, you know. But yeah, but it's it's the good sin, you know. Is there? Is there good sin, you know? So, you're dealing with the lost and with God being forsaken, you know, and of course, they were taught in the 70s that God had died. Um, you know, I don't remember the funeral. So he must be still around. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. First Peter 2, verse 18. Those who are in positions of authority will find that those under them will be better followers of their leadership if they, as followers and authority figures, exhibit the fruit of gentleness in their lives. So, you can't be the gruff drill sergeant. Now, you need to show authority, and you can have authority, but you let your authority be the wisdom that God has given you and not an attitude. Let that wisdom shine through. Sometimes you got to get on some people, but you can do it with a, a certain amount of gentleness and, and not to belittle them. So in those particular cases, we'll turn to, um, yeah, and we already turned it to First Peter, First Peter two eighteen. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. So we see the law sometimes. Yeah, oh, I already read that. In those those who are in positions of authority will find that those under them will be better followers, better followers, if we're better leaders. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Proverbs 15, 1. Although the context of this verse is not necessarily directed to the family, verse has great application to the home. Gentleness must first be exhibited in the home by Bible believe, by the Bible believing Christian, the true test of fruit bearing in a Christian life is whether or not the fruit is manifested in the home front. Now, does that mean you don't discipline? Does that mean you don't show authority? Yes, you need to show authority. You need to show correction. Correction comes in many different ways. You know, it could be a spanking. It could be you're held off from some kind of thing they wanted to do or or what it is like this. 
But correction is important. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, it says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I experienced that in my own kids. I did it and, and realized, okay, I made a mistake here. And, it, and once you go to your child and say, listen, you know, I messed up here. And it's, it's needful. It's needful to do that. It could be family. You know, and they could be adults too. Your adult children need some kind of direction from you once in a while and correction. But it's harder to do it when they're adults and you're an adult. You've lived through it and they're going through it. You can give them correction with gentleness and with understanding and wisdom. And it comes out there. Husbands should use gentleness in dealing with their wives. We kind of all know that, right? Do we always observe it? Wives should use gentleness in dealing with their husbands. And I noticed that now that I got older, especially going through this thing with the stroke, how it's affected my head. And uh, we, Linda and I are still very Northeast New Yorker, New Yorker attitude on some things, you know. So we'll get a little bit up in your face about some things. Wait a minute here, and then, and then we calm down. You got to calm down. You got to use gentleness. Parents must exhibit gentleness in dealing with their child. Dealing with their child. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, you already know this and have heard this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it might be well with thee. And then finally, turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And we'll conclude with this. Matthew chapter 11. Starting in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. I haven't met too many teachers when I was growing up as a teacher in high school and some college, that they were meek and lowly in heart. I know this stuff. You can't tell me nothing. I'm a teacher. You know what I learned a long time ago? You can't teach a teacher. You really can't. They know everything. They know everything. Well, I can't say that completely. I did have a teacher that came in to teach applied math and trig and things like this, and she was having a, a terrible time deciphering a print or anything like this. And I says, so I did all this work, and she says, how'd you get all that? How'd you do all that? I said, well, this, this is, would you teach the last section of this book? I said, okay. So I taught the last section of the book. And uh, a lot of the guys had got it, but 
I was up there. That was one of my first teaching positions in a non-secular, or in a secular, I should say, environment, in a non-religious background, because we used to do Sunday school things like this with kids and stuff, Linda and I. So to teach with loneliness and meekness. And it says, And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So a lot of conclusion there. The fact that gentleness has a place in our life just like anything else. And it shouldn't be shunned or feared. But to use it, and you'll gain respect a lot of times, especially in a witness situation, trying to tell somebody about Christ. So that was kind of a short one there, but I do have something I need to fill in with. And it's... uh just a little something I found. On the first day, God created the dog and said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. For this, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's a long time to be barking. How about only 10 years? And I'll give you back 10. God saw it was good. Second day, God created the monkey and said, entertain people, do tricks, and make them laugh. For this, I will give you 20-year lifespan. And the monkey said, monkey tricks for 20 years? That's a pretty long time to uh, to perform. How would I? Uh, how about if I give you 10 back like the dog did? So here's the dog gives back 10, the monkey gives back 10. God saw it, and it was good. On the third day, God created the cow and said, You must go into the field with the farmer all day and suffer under the sun, have calves, and give milk to support the uh, farmer's family. For this, I'll give you the lifespan of 60 years. The cow goes, That's kind of a tough life if you want me to live 60 years. How about 20 years, and I'll give you the other 40? So we got the dog giving back 10, the monkey giving back, and the cow gives back 40. God agreed, and it was good. On the fourth day, God created humans and said, Eat, sleep, play, marry, enjoy your life. For this, I will give you 20 years. Sounds like a life sentence, but... I'll give you 20 years. And the human said... Only 20 years? How could you possibly give me 20 uh, and 40, uh, or could you possibly give me 20 and 40 to the cow that gave back and 10 the monkey gave back and the 10 the uh, dog gave back and make it, and that makes 80, okay? And okay, God said, you asked for it. So that is why our first 20 years we eat, sleep, play, enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do, uh, we do monkey tricks to, uh, to entertain the grandchildren. In the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everyone. 
Life is now explained to you. There is no need to thank me for valuable information. I'm doing this, uh, this is a public service. If you're looking for me, I'll be on the front porch. Well, I hope this was to help you. Let's just bow for a quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done, you've done for us and the fact that you've given us this book to explain so many different things and, and help us through life and that, uh, and, uh, help us to avail ourselves to the situations when they come up uh, of the fruits of the spirit so that we could be a better Christian and a better testimony and a help to those that are lost and a help to those that are younger than us as Christians to grow also. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.